So today's uh, sermon title is called The Meaning of Christmas. Yesterday, uh, I went to Fair Oaks Mall, uh, and I saw something there um, that really, it, it brought me uh, a lot of joy, uh, and it really helped me to really feel like uh, it's, it's Christmas now. It's Christmas now. And I'd, I'd really like to share that with you, if that's okay. Um, at Fair Oaks Mall, in the middle of the mall, um, there was this huge line of screaming children, right? They were screaming and crying, and right next to them were, I saw, the most exhausted parents I've ever seen. <laughs> and they were so tired, and their children were right next to them, and they were waiting in line. And as I was looking at them, and I could see the, the deadness around their eyes, and I could see kind of uh, how, long that they have, how long they've been waiting. I mean, they've been waiting in line. I could tell now for at least an hour to take pictures for about five seconds with this guy dressed as Santa. And for them, I saw that. I was really tired that day. But to be honest, when I, when I saw all that was happening there, that, that kind of actually really filled me uh, with, with, a lot of, with a lot of joy. I, I know that for me, moving forward, uh, that will one day be my situation too, but I'm just thankful that in that moment, that wasn't me right there, you know? Uh, you know, all, all joking aside, I, I really do love the Christmas season. Uh, for me, moving forward, in the month of December especially, I have so many traditions that I try to keep. Uh, I've done these things for the past however many years, and I really do continue to keep them. Uh, I always, I always buy a present for myself. Um, I listen to only Christmas uh, carols on the radio. I always buy eggnog uh, at Giant. Uh, I always go to Reston, uh, to the outdoor ice skating rink, and then I glare at the couples there. Um, I don't like ice skating myself. Uh, and then there are certain movies that I always watch. Always watch. Um, I think they're classics, right? Elf. I always watch Elf. I watch Home Alone, one, two, and three. Uh, and of course, the Christmas movie, Die Hard. Right? I, always, I always need to watch uh, those movies. And you see, the reason why I bring this up is because for us in this world, this is what really Christmas has become, because it has become so absolutely commercialized. And it's become to the point where when we think about Christmas, we think about all these different things, and we think about Santa and gifts and the Christmas tree and these types of things, and it's lost its true meaning and its true purpose. Because Christmas means we go out and buy gifts for those we care about. Because Christmas means that we spend time with our family and our friends. Because Christmas means, for some of us, we finally have a break from school and from work. You see, that's not what Christmas really is. And that's not the purpose or the meaning of Christmas. And I want for us, for the next two weeks, and that includes Christmas morning service on the 25th, it's to understand why we celebrate Christmas. You see, the month of December is called Advent. 
The word Advent, it literally means coming. And for us as Christians, there are two specific meanings when it comes to the word Advent. That we are remembering what happened and we are in anticipation for what is to come. You see, we are remembering Jesus' first coming. That when God of the universe came down as a baby, he came down born of a virgin. And that he lived a perfect life and he died a sinner's death. And not only that, on the third day he rose again so that we could have eternal life with him forever. That was Jesus' first coming and we celebrate and remembrance for that occasion. And yet we are also remembering. We are also preparing for. We are also waiting in anticipation for his second coming. For that day when Jesus comes back to earth and he wipes away every tear and heals every wound. And he takes his place as king over this world. And so for us today, what I want to do is lay out a basic foundation for what Christmas is and what that means for us. You see, here in this passage, what we read today is possibly one of the most famous passages in the Bible. And what this passage is saying is that there is only one hope, that there is only one light, and his name is Jesus Christ. You see, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and on his shoulders will rest the government. And his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. But you see, before we head into that verse, we have to know the context of what's happening here. See, during this time, Israel was a divided nation. And for us, as we look into this place, as we look into this nation, it was at its weakest point. For a lot of us, we know about King David. We, we know about King Solomon. And it was during that time when Israel was at its strongest point. But after the reign of Solomon, you see, there was a civil war that happened. And it divided Israel into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And because, you see, this, the, the nation of Israel was fighting within themselves, it made them weak to outside nations. And so what ended up happening was army after army would begin to attack. And the king of Judah, King Ahaz, he didn't know what to do. He was scared. He was afraid. He was afraid because he saw that his people were dying. He was afraid because he knew that at any moment, just one more attack might break the entire back of that nation. And he knew that there wasn't much time left. And so what happened was that there was this beacon of hope that shined. This beacon of hope that suddenly appeared. And it was the nation of Assyria. You see, they were this really powerful country. And they had enough weapons and enough men to protect Judah from any enemy. And you see, they were willing, they were ready at that very moment to make an alliance. And so it made sense for King Ahaz to partner himself with them. 
But God, through Isaiah, in chapter 7, he says four things to King Ahaz. He says, be careful, be quiet, do not be afraid, and do not turn away from me. So in that moment, King Ahaz, he had to make a choice. He said, I either have to follow what makes sense in my head, or I'm going to have to follow God. It was one or the other. And at that moment, King Ahaz followed what made sense. He allied himself to the Assyrians, and not only that, he paid them using the gold and the silver from the Lord's temple. And you see, the thing is, it worked. It worked. The Assyrians, they pushed back the enemies from the land of Judah. Praise God for that, right? But the Assyrians realized in that moment that instead of just protecting Judah, they could simply just conquer Judah. And so the Assyrians betray Judah and begin to destroy them. See, church, there are many things in our lives that are absolutely countercultural and will bring ridicule from this world. There are so many things that the Bible says that are so completely opposite of what the world says. And so when we follow what the Bible says, there will always be persecution. There will always be hatred. There will always be mocking from the world. And there are so many things that are easier if we just simply follow the ways of the world than to follow God. When we serve and give of our time and our resources, it doesn't make sense to the world. What we should be doing is spending our time and our money increasing our own value, increasing our own worth. Why are you spending so much of your time and of your energy and of the things that you have on other people? Why? When we are intentional about not sleeping together before we're married, it doesn't make sense to the world. Why would you be intentional about that? Doesn't it make sense to know your partner, to know your boyfriend, to know your girlfriend before you get married? When we are faithful to the Lord and pray, and yet it seems like he doesn't answer our prayers, it doesn't make sense to the world. Because why would we worship a God who seems like he's silent? But you see, there's something that we know that the world doesn't. And it's that God doesn't work on our timeline. And he doesn't work on the perspective of man. And he is so far above what we can imagine or think or comprehend that his timing is perfect that his abilities so far out, outweigh our own, that it is more than a man to an ant. It is so much greater than anything that we can comprehend in our minds. And you see in 1 Corinthians 1.27, it says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Why would he do that? Why would he choose the weakest things? the most foolish of things. And it's so that we have no, it's so that we have no uh, other way to praise God than to realize that he is the, the one who deserves all glory, 
that he is the one who deserves all praise. That cannot come from us. That is not our abilities or how smart we are or what we can do. It's all about God. You see, King Ahaz, he had forgotten this. And so what he does is he puts his trust in the world and it leads to a period of complete darkness. And that's the context of this passage here. And it's vitally important. And the reason why it's so important is because Christmas, you see, is ultimately a message about unparalleled hope. And yet you will never understand how great that hope is unless you understand how dark the world is. Christmas is telling us that there is a darkness in this world. And not only that, there is a darkness within each one of us. But you see, the Bible, it says that Jesus is light. In verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The phrase deep darkness is actually kind of rare in the Bible. But it shows up here, and it literally means death's shadow. These people, they were walking in deep darkness. In other words, they were walking in death's shadow. For them, it wasn't just a world that was dark. It meant that when they died, they would have no hope. It meant that when they died, there would only be death waiting for them. But we see that a light has dawned. And that means the shadow of death that was over us is now gone. For us, we were once under bondage of sin. We were once under the chains of death. And it was supposed to completely destroy us. But because of this great light, we are saved. Now, church, what is this great light? He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born as a baby. You see, in, in seminary, I had a professor who I loved. And uh, he taught me so much in how to interpret the Bible. Uh, his name was Professor Jennings. And I remember one class where he uh, said, look, everyone, for the most part, they focus on the names, they focus on the places and the verbs, and you know what? Rightly so. But he said, look, where you also just as important need to focus on are in the small in-between words. You see, you need to focus on the prepositions because they're so absolutely important. And he said there are two prepositions that we need to highlight when we look at passages. And he said that there are the words but and for. And he said the reason why the word but is so important is because it changes everything that comes after it. What was before it is completely different after it. See, I hate big crowds of people, but I love you, right? <laughs> and he said the reason why the word for is so important is because it explains why that change happens. You see, I hate big crowds of people, but I love you, for you are the apple of my eye. You see, in this passage, the world was dark. And the reason why it was dark was because the king and the people, they turned away from God. God gave them the opportunity to come to him. 
He spoke through Isaiah. He gave a prophecy to them. He told them, look, just trust in me. And yet King Ahaz, in his mind, in his heart, he decided to turn away and seek the world. And so for him, he decided in his heart that he would be separated from God. And so that's why they chose to trust in man. And it led them into death's shadow. They had no hope. They had no future. And all was lost. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Verse 1. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For to us a child is born. Verse 6. To us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. See, church, there was darkness, and that darkness meant that we would spend eternity in hell. It would mean that we would forever be separated from God, that we were at death's shadow. But there is a light that took away the deep darkness, and that light gives us hope. And that light gives us a future. And we are not only able to endure hardships, we are able to have joy for them, joy in them, because a child is born and his name was Jesus Christ. And so, church, what does this mean for us? Number one, it doesn't matter how hopeless your case is. It doesn't matter how dirty your past is. It doesn't matter how sinful you were before. Jesus can transform your life. And church, he is the only one that can transform your life. There is no other light in this world. You cannot generate a light. There, there's, no, there's nothing in this place, in this community, in this country, in this world that can ever give you that hope that you are looking for, that give you the transformation of your heart that you are looking for. The only one is Jesus Christ. You see, light was shown even in the deepest of darkness. And Jesus is able to change even the one who seems most unchangeable. For us, we are always writing things off. That kind of person can never change. That kind of situation can never become better. That kind of condition can never be healed. But we know that God uses the weak to fool the strong. He uses the worst places and people so that his glory can shine even greater. See, in verse 1, Isaiah, he talks about Zebulun and Naphtali. And he says they are the Galilee of nations. Galilee was the northern part of Israel. And because of the mountains and the seas, before anywhere else, Galilee was where the armies and the nations would attack. They would have to go through Galilee. And so the nations, they would bring their armies and they would rape, pillage, and burn all of the land there. You see, Galilee was the first point of attack and it left them completely destitute. But we see that this place that was most forsaken, we see this place that was most destroyed, was also ground zero for the light of the world. 
This place was cursed. It was dark. It was the center of injustice, of violence, of slavery. And yet in the very midst of that place, Jesus, our God, was born. Church, I don't know where you are right now. I don't know exactly what you are struggling with. But many of us have already lost hope. But church, your hope cannot be found in this world. Your hope is only found in Jesus Christ. So place it upon him. Because he alone can transform your life. And secondly, you need to humble yourself. The God of the universe, he came down as a baby. He was born to poor parents. He was born to an unwed mother. He was born to the most war-torn area of Israel. If Jesus came to this world in complete humility, how much more should we go before the Lord in vulnerability? Church, many of us are facing darkness in our lives right now. But go to Jesus Christ. He is your light. He is the hope of this world. Go to him in your darkness and just be vulnerable and come in humility before him because he can change your life. And so for me, I'm just going to end with the same words that Isaiah told King Ahaz. And I pray that as we go into our time of response that we would meditate on these words as well. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not turn away from me. Let's pray.